Hey, uh, no, Randy did not get a lot younger and paler. Uh, I'm Reed, I'm the intern here this summer, and uh, me and Davis and Dalton are here today to kind of introduce y'all to the topic for this year's Vacation Bible School, which is the fruit of the Spirit. So we're going to have Davis come up, and he's going to share some of the fruit and talk about what that means, and then we're going to have Dalton come up, and then I'll get up here at the end to kind of wrap it up and talk about the entire chapter as a whole. Um, regarding our Fruits of the Spirits theme this year for VBS, I'm going to start with reading from the book of Galatians, chapter 5, verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such thing there is no law. The faithfulness talked about in this verse refers to being trustworthy and obedient. Like Abraham in Genesis chapter 12, God told him to gather all his things and leave. Abraham had no idea where he was going, but he obeyed God. He obeyed his instructions and trusted that God knew what he was doing. Just like the song we sing, trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus. Faith involves the way we live. Paul said we must walk by faith and not by sight. This verse assures me that the faithfulness talked about in Galatians is not only believing, but it's also an action. When we're faithful, we'll experience joy. The joy talked about as a fruit of the Spirit is understanding how beneficial it is to follow God's way of life. Real joy is a gift from God, and it's something that He wants us to have and share with others. I can't help but think about Paul when he's singing in prison in Acts chapter 16. He's in a dungeon, he's chained up, he's probably hungry and thirsty, yet he's still singing. This is a true example of being joyful. Like Paul, we can find joy in every day. Not because every day is good, but because God is good. In 2 Samuel chapter 6, verse 14, we're told that David danced before the Lord with all his might. If we truly understand what God has done for us, we'll have plenty of reasons to rejoice and be joyful. Like I said, God is good. His goodness and mercy will follow us. Another fruit of the Spirit is goodness. Psalm chapter 33, verse 4 through 5 says, For the word of the Lord is right, and all his work is done in truth. He loves righteousness and justice. The earth is full of the goodness of the Lord. Our goodness should be something that others can be thankful for, too. Goodness is more about the things that we do. The best example I can think of is Jesus himself. Everywhere he went, he was always doing good. The Lord has been good to us, so now I think it's our turn. Kindness. As Christians, we have the fruit of kindness within us, but it's our choice to have a kind attitude. Recently, my family went on a trip out west. Uh, while we were out west, we were hiking one day. My friend Tyler went off the trail, and the next thing I knew, some woman was yelling at him. She was being mean to him and telling him to get back on the trail and what he's doing is wrong. When I turned back, Tyler was back on the trail and he was giving this lady a hug. He was thanking her for her concern. Now, I don't know if I'd been able to react the same way Tyler did, but he chose kindness. In Philippians chapter 2, verse 3 through 4, it says, Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look not only on his own interests, but also on the interests of others. I'm really excited about our theme this year of, uh, of the fruits of the Spirit, and I hope I did a good job of kicking it off for Dalton.
Uh, good morning. Uh, Reed asked me to help him today and kind of assign me my fruits. The first thing I tried to do is kind of group them together based on what you can use them for. The ones he asked me to talk about were love, gentleness, self-control, peace, and patience. What I came down to is I found two different groups that I could place these into. The first one is how we can treat others. This includes love, gentleness, and self-control. The first virtue I listed was love. This, of course, comes back to the verse in Matthew 22:39, And it says, And the second commandment is like it, You shall love your neighbor as yourself. When Jesus came to earth, he didn't act like he was better than everyone, though he was. He served them and put himself beneath them. In James, James even refers to the service to orphans and widows as undefiled, pure love. So that's the first in talking about how you treat others. The second was gentleness. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says, The meek shall inherit the earth. Meekness and gentleness both have the same meaning, which is strength under control. Aristotle once said that in the middle of rage and indifference would be the meekness or gentleness of spirit. When dealing with people, you need to find the happy medium. You can't just treat them like they don't matter or you don't really care about their situation, but you can't also act on rage or anger. The last fruit in this group was self-control. In this world, there are going to be people who do you wrong. They're going to lie to you. They're going to cheat you. And they're just going to be bad to you. They won't consider how you'll feel in that situation. This is where you'll need to show self-control. We're called to a higher calling, and we can't react to those. We have to show them a better way of life. The second grouping I found was how we treat God, and this includes love, peace, and patience. Again, love comes back to that same passage where it says, You should love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. The second was peace. Not everything that happens to us will be positive or go our way. Not everything God will let us happen will be what we want. We have to have peace with what God chooses to happen. And sometimes we can get tunnel vision, and we can't see the big picture, but God always can, and he'll do right by us. The final virtue I mentioned was patience. A lot of times when we ask God for something, we expect it immediately when that's just not how God works. He works on his timeline, not ours. Sometimes you might get it when you want. Sometimes it'll take longer. And sometimes you won't get it at all. But God knows what he's doing and he knows what's best for us. And he will always answer because no is an answer. There's no such thing as an unanswered prayer. We just have to be patient and know that God knows what's best for us and that we don't. Just lay it on him and he'll take care of us. So, hope I did a good job this morning. And three. If you haven't already opened your Bibles, uh, I'd like you to open to Galatians chapter 5. We're going to kind of dive into the scripture a little bit more. Galatians 5, I feel like, is one of the most vital passages of scripture to how to live a Christian lifestyle. Paul comes out very plainly and he says, This is how you live a life worthy of God. This is, how you need, well, this is what you need to walk with the Spirit. A little background on this passage. Paul here is writing to the Galatian church, and this church is a church that had recently come into contact with Judaizers. These are a group of people who are trying to impress, oppress their Jewish beliefs onto new Christian converts. They're trying to say, you have to be circumcised, or you have to follow the kosher laws in order to get to heaven, or in order, in order to be as Christian as we are. And this outraged Paul. He was very aggressive in his opposition to these people. He said in verse 2, Mark my words, I, Paul, tell you that if you let yourselves be circumcised, 
Christ will have no value at all to you. Christ will have no value if you convert to these Jewish laws. He continues in verse 6 and says, For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. He's saying here, guys, have you forgotten about Jesus' death? God no longer works through these old Mosaic laws. God is not a checklist of do's and don'ts, of rules that we have to follow. God works through grace now. God has given us his spirit, and that we don't have to follow the old laws anymore. You know, oftentimes today, I think Paul's words here still ring true for us, even though we don't, follow, we don't face these same opposition. We don't have people trying to tell us that we can't eat bacon, which is good. But oftentimes we forget about how God's grace works. In the church, sometimes we try to put heaven into like this checklist. If we do this, and we do this, and we don't do this, then we'll get to heaven. But that's not how God works. We become no better than these Judaizers, thinking that the road to heaven is an endless cycle of do's and don'ts. We need to remember that God has given us his spirit. God has given us his freedom. Verse 1 of this chapter says, It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm, then, and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Jesus has set us free from the shackles of this endless cycle. In Christ, our relationship with God has been restored, not by something we need to do, but by something that God has already done through Christ. But Paul goes on in verse 13 to say, You are called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. Christ set us free, but that doesn't mean we can go about our lives doing whatever we want to make us happy or whatever we want to make us feel good. And then Paul drops the bomb in the next verse. Paul says, guys, this is it. If you take nothing else from my lesson, he says, this is what I want you to listen to right here. He says, the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. There it is. Paul says, this is your superfruit. Uh, recently, I've been doing some research on what a superfruit is. Superfruit is the big thing right now in the health world. Uh, a superfruit basically is a marketing term that refers to a fruit that has so many antioxidants and so many fibers and so many vitamins and stuff that that's all the fruit you need. If you have this one fruit, you can live a healthy lifestyle with just eating that one fruit. I feel like what Paul's saying here in verse 14 is like Paul giving us a superfruit. He's saying, this is what you need to have a healthy spiritual lifestyle. If you just love your neighbor as yourself, you can walk with the Spirit. You can do these things. This is how you live a healthy life. And this one superfruit has so many products, which Davis and Dalton have already talked about. It has love and joy and peace and patience and kindness, goodness, thankfulness, gentleness, and self-control. This, once you do this one act, this loving your neighbor as yourself, and you're walking with the Spirit, the Spirit will bless you with all of these things. And it's not something necessarily that you need to do. It's something that God has already given you. God has given you His Spirit. God is saying, here, take this, do this one act of serving other people and loving other people, and then I will bless you with love that you don't have. Because I know me personally, I don't always have the best patience. But the Spirit gives me patience when I need it. All the things that you need in your life to live a life worthy of God, the Spirit gives you here. 
So that's all I have to say. If you need any prayers or help from the church, would you please come forward as we stand and sing?